again, everybody, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 20th of January, 2013. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. One show thingy at a time or something like that. I don't know. Hey, buddy, what you got there? It's my iPhone. I'm listening to my shows. What's on here? Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm pretty good with computers and stuff. So you downloaded them using iTunes? No, I'm using Stitcher. M-O-O-N. That spells Stitcher. Oh. Well, how does it work? Well, I don't know. Magic, I guess. I see. Did Uncle Pete put that on your phone for you? Yeah. I watched Spongebob yesterday. (laughs) He and Patrick were selling chocolate. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact info out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. Or you can go to the website, which is firearmscafe.com. On the right-hand side of the page is a Send Voicemail tab. When you click on it, you will be able to send up to a 10-minute message to me using your computer's microphone. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me for the show. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read out your comments on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, so please go there and click on those buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. These are all free. Finally, there are the forums at Gun Rights Radio Network, where I have the Firearms Cafe subforum. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. On the show today, we have got a ton of feedback, which I am very grateful to have. Also, I went to the Gun Appreciation Day. I do have some audio clips from that. Some of them turned out really good. Some of them, eh, not so great. But I'll go ahead and play that. And uh, then when we come back, I'll do some comments about what I thought about it and uh, what I thought maybe could have been done a little bit better. I also wanted to give a shout-out to Ross. Ross made a very generous donation to the show, and I just wanted to let you know that I really appreciate that. And for those of you guys that have donated in the past, also, again, I appreciate that. It makes doing the show for me much more justifiable, I guess, in in some in some instances. Uh, I don't have any sponsors. I wouldn't mind having some, but I just I don't have any. But anyway, uh, the money that I get, I always use that solely for the show. I don't ever use it for anything personal for me. It always goes for equipment and software and upgrades and for uh, for things like paying for the hosting and paying for the domain names and those type of things. So again, all you guys that send in stuff, I, I really appreciate that. And uh, it's very humbling to me to... to uh, uh, to realize that there are people out there that would be willing to donate their hard-earned money to uh, to me. So uh, thanks again, Ross. Now, yesterday I went to the gun appreciation, I guess you'd call it rally. It wasn't really a march where we were. But the idea was is that across the nation you would go to your state capitol uh, as Second Amendment supporters, 
And basically you would show your support for the Second Amendment and you would also show that you don't want to see any new restrictive legislation of any kind coming down. If there is any new legislation, it needs to be things that loosen up restrictions and unnecessary regulations on us as law-abiding gun owners. So I, I got some audio from there. Some of it worked out pretty good. Some of it, eh, not so great. Uh, but I'll play what I have, the stuff that's usable. And uh, when I'm done with that, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and uh, give some commentary on that as well. So let's go ahead and jump in with uh, the email that we have today, and that's from Ross. And he writes, Good evening, Tony. I felt the need to write you in the hope your listeners can avoid the trials and tribulations that Canadian gun owners have suffered. After reading Obama's proposals for gun control, it seems that all logical discourse has left the conversation and now the United States is traveling down the same path as Canada in 1989. Our gun laws were brought into being primarily as a result of a mass shooting which took place at Ecole Polytechnic in Montreal, killing 14 women. I don't see any benefit to naming the individual responsible, but it's probably available on Wikipedia for those interested. For the past 17 years, Canadians have lived with a patchwork of contradictory laws which are still being contested even unto this day. One can only hope that the gun owners of the United States can avoid our mistakes and introduce reason amidst the hysteria and hyperbole of the left. The abridged version of our laws goes something like this. In Canada, you must be licensed to own or be in possession of any firearm otherwise known as the Possession and Acquisition License, or more commonly known as PAL, P-A-L, or the previous P-O-L. It involves completing a safety course, written and practical examinations, police background check, reference checks, spousal approval, and also queries as to your current job status and overall health and mental state. Failure of any of the above-mentioned will result in your license application being denied. Firearms are split into three distinct groups as per the Firearms Act. Non-restricted or long guns, meaning rifles and shotguns. Restricted, which are handguns slash AR-15 platform. And prohibited, which very few are allowed to possess. Storage and transport for the above are separated into non-restricted and restricted slash prohibited category. You only require your PAL, the PAL, which again was the possession, excuse me, possession and acquisition license when transporting a non-restricted and a PLL, PAL slash ATT, which is authorization to transport for restricted slash prohibited classes. So this is me kind of stepping out. So basically... I know there's a lot of letters there and everything, but basically you, you have to have, it looks like an authorization to transport for the stuff that would be in that, again, that restricted slash prohibited class, which would be things like handguns and AR-15 platform things. Uh, and then uh, things like probably hunting rifles and shotguns would be the non-restricted, which you would only need again, that PAL. So I'll get back to the email now. Having said all of this, there are exceptions. The Canadian Firearms Center website has additional information. Also, the RCMP 
has initiated a program called Continuous Liability, which performs a daily cross-reference of all probation orders and other violations against all known license holders. If a hit registers, the police are dispatched to your doorstep to seize your guns and ammunition. The Firearms Act in Canada was recently amended to end the long gun registry for non-restricted firearms. That was Bill C-19. In essence, it ends the previously mandated registration of these types of firearms with the federal government. Restricted and prohibited firearms are still required to be registered. Licensing, storage, and transport requirements remain the same. He further writes, I don't know if this will help, but today I have joined the NRA and encourage Canadian gun owners to join if they can. Despite what the media might state, the U.S. and Canada gun communities are intertwined, and if the United States is severely restricted or penalized from proposed legislation, I wish you the best of luck. Take care, Ross. Hey, Ross, thanks for sending that in. really appreciate it, and I hope to hear from you again in the future. And again, thanks so much for the donation. Uh, I really, really appreciate that. A couple of questions I have about about some of the things that you talked about as far as firearms restrictions and laws up there. Number one, does that uh, possession, excuse me, and acquisition license, is it a deal that sort of once you get it, you have it for for life, or is it a thing where every five years or maybe every every year you ha- it has to be renewed or you have to pay a fee for it? Also, what would happen if, let's say that uh, in, in the case of a marriage, one of the things you had talked about was spouse uh, getting approval of the spouse. What happens if one of the spouses says, well, I don't want guns in the home anymore? Is there a way that that person could then contact the the uh, whatever governing body takes care of that and say, I don't want guns in the home anymore. If you're the person who wants to keep guns in the home, do you have any recourse if, you're, if your spouse says, I don't want them anymore? Or is it a thing where before they would say, well, when the license was first getting issued, you didn't raise any issues with it, so tough stuff. Also, if somebody is is going through maybe like a messy divorce, let's say that the wife is an avid shooter and the husband knows that if he makes certain accusations that the firearms can be taken uh, or in the case of they would maybe uh, swear out a false restraining order or say that the, the per- they feel that the person is a danger to themselves. What would happen in in those cases? Would the Would the government step in? and say, well, you've got to either give the guns up, you've got to turn them in, or is it a thing where they could say you've got to um, give them to a family member or something where you can't have access to them? Also, if they come, one of the things that you had said was that they, um, and that was more in the, in the case of a, uh, of a, of a, probation violation or some type of restriction that comes up. Let's say if you're charged with something and it would be an offense uh, and you were later found, uh, you were later to be absolved or found innocent of that. And if you had firearms and they came and they took them, do they destroy them? Do they keep them in like an evidence type locker? 
so anyway, and I know you may not have the answers to some of these things, but maybe some other people out there do as well. But I'm I'm always very curious to know about other countries and how they do stuff, and especially you know Canada because they're as far as the two countries, we're very, very similar in a lot of ways and very, very different in a, in a lot of ways as well. All right, let's go ahead and let's hear some of the uh, audio feedback that we got. So I'll go ahead and play that now. Hey, Tony, this is Trucker Bob out here in Oregon. Uh, I'm calling for your Firearms Cafe. I think it was episode 85 I just listened to. And I don't remember, was it Jaeger, uh, the guy that had the YouTube videos? And you wanted us to chime in, give our two cents uh, academically. Uh, what we thought of this guy, if he was right or wrong, or if he should get his permit back. Um, yeah, I have to think back to when I started uh, pursuing concealed carry permit. And uh, upon coming to that decision, I don't think we can take that decision lightly. And... We have to embrace it, and when we do decide to be an armed citizen, uh, there's a lot of things that come with that uh, responsibility. And I think as armed citizens, we have to hold ourselves to a much higher standard. Uh, we cannot afford to be short-tempered. Uh, I, I feel for this guy. I understand where he's at. I'm not happy with the current situation. Uh, there's a lot with that, but we have to be cool-headed at all times. Um, you know, carrying a gun is like a parachute when all else fails, and we want to go home to our loved ones at night. That's why I carry, or if I'm with my loved ones, so I can keep them safe. Uh, if push comes to shove, as he was talking about, you know, that's a different story, and I think the uh, people do what they need to do. But um, I just think we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard um, individually, take personal responsibility, and uh, we have to be uh, take the high road, I guess you'd say. We have to uh, be the polite ones. We have to be the cool-headed. Um, uh, blowing up like that, uh, throwing something like that online when you're ticked off, or even in public, count to ten, man. Go back to the drawing board, think through it. Uh, number one, that doesn't do our cause any good. Uh, they have enough ammunition. A lot of it's false. A lot of it's emotional. Uh, but that doesn't help the situation. So that's kind of my two cents. I just think that we have to uh, we have to take the higher road as uh, armed citizens. We have to keep our cool. Um, there are repercussions for all of our actions. We get picked off, fly off the handle. Uh, whether it's actions or words, there's repercussions for that. So that's my two cents. Um, yep. uh, enjoy the podcast. Keep it going. Talk to you later. Hey, Bob. Thanks for sending that stuff in. Appreciate it and hope to hear from you again in the future. I would tend to agree with you that, in general, it's going to be better to have cooler heads rather than hot heads. And if we're looking at convincing the person who is a fence-sitter or a person who doesn't really care one way or another, those are the people we can reach. And the way that we reach those people is with logic and reason and calm discourse. And when we present facts, they need to be facts. They don't need to be opinions. 
or uh, supposition or hyperbole. They need to be things that uh, make sense to the person we're talking to. We also need to employ things like the Socratic method where we're asking questions and by our, our questions we lead, to the, we lead the person down the road and they make their own conclusions. And when we see guys w- with doing the inflammatory stuff, guys like uh, James Yeager, guys like Alex Jones when he was on the Piers Morgan show, that can turn off some of those fence sitters. Now, I still, of course, think they should have the right to say it. And the more I've thought about the Jaeger thing, again, he should he, he should have the right to say that stuff, especially in looking at the the totalitarian the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for totality is that the right word the totality of of the videos when you take all of them into context. I think he should get his permit back. Uh, I think that he probably backed the the state people or the whatever governing body that uh, oversees the the permits. He probably backed them into a corner, especially with the the uh, shooting being relatively recent, and they didn't really have a choice. Uh, I think that from their perspective, I'm not saying that I agree with it, but from their perspective, I can see why they did it. I guess I should say. Let's go ahead and play our next bit of feedback. Mr. Brown, my name is Joe. I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I'm an avid fan of the Firearms Cafe podcast. I want to say uh, thank you very much for putting those out. Uh, You've been a big help to me in getting uh, information regarding the Second Amendment and uh, firearms in general. So I appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to pass along a compliment in regards to your latest podcast uh, in and contact, you talked about contacting our representatives weekly, uh, and you talked about certainly how it didn't take too much too much of your time and effort, maybe about 20 to 30 minutes. Well, uh, I certainly needed that little bit of encouragement and took the time and effort to contact my representatives uh, in Ohio, for Ohio, and um, let them know that I did not want them to uh, approve of any new gun law legislation that might be coming down and to uh, certainly protect our Second Amendment rights. And uh, the representatives who took my information down were very polite, and uh, which was good, and certainly I was polite to them because I wanted to get my point across without screaming and shouting. Uh, so anyway, thank you very much for uh, the encouragement, and uh, I certainly am a member of the Second Amendment Foundation and the NRA. So that is also a Kudos to you for pushing those along. Well, have a good day, and uh, thanks again. Hey, John, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. I tell you, I am delighted to think that I may have had some little teeny-weeny part into pushing you to contacting your representatives. Ultimately, that's what is going to make the difference uh, by all of us contacting our people and letting them know we're not going to stand for this. You see why now that the politicians, when a crisis comes, how they don't want it to go to waste and they want to move super fast on it because they realize if they can't get it within a couple of weeks, people will over overcome um, the, the shock of what happened. And, and in this, I'm, I'm referencing the shooting and I'm not trying to trivialize it, but 
what's happening is the shock has sort of worn off and people are kind of starting to take notice and say, wait a minute, this isn't right. I didn't do anything wrong. Why should I be punished for the crime of a madman? And why should I be punished for future crime that hasn't even happened yet? So you're not going to take my guns. You're not going to ban my magazines. I'm still going to have those things because I've done nothing wrong. And we're seeing that states are putting forth legislation that says we're not going to enforce this stuff. And in fact, if a federal enforcement wing comes in here, we will protect our citizens. The The attitude I saw, and I, I, was, I was just as guilty of it as the next guy, but the attitude I saw shortly after the shooting was, it's coming, there's going to be a ban, there's nothing we can do about it, these things are going to go away, they're never going to come back. And as some time went by, like I said, people started pushing back. And other people who felt the same way saw those same people pushing back. And they started pushing back. And it's like that old shampoo commercial where you tell, tell, you tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and they'll on and so on and so on. And that's what's happened. And we're seeing now that there, there's a change. But I don't want people out there to get lazy now. Now is not the time to say, well, I contacted my guy and they got the message and so I don't need to do that. You've got to call them and contact them once a week until this thing goes away. This is, I truly believe, probably one of the toughest fights we're going to have. And we need to draw a line in the sand and say, no more. You're not going to get anything. We're not going to compromise We're not going to bear the burden for what another individual did because we did nothing wrong. And our owning these firearms does not make us criminals. And our owning these firearms does not make us madmen. And our owning these firearms does not mean we have a disdain for life. And that's the message we need to get out. And that's the message, too, that we need to get to the fence sitters and get those people on our side and get those people in the game and in the fight. All right, let's go ahead, and I told you guys that I had gone to the Gun Appreciation Day down at the state capitol on Saturday, so I'll go ahead and drop in some of the audio that I had from there. Hey guys, as you can tell by the sound difference, I'm in the truck. I'm headed down to the Second Amendment Rally or Gun Appreciation Day at the state capitol. I live in Arizona, so I'm going down to the Phoenix capitol, which is in downtown Phoenix, We shall see how many people show up. Hopefully we'll have a good turnout. Hopefully there will be good turnouts across the nation. And we will be able to show the people that want to ban and take away rights that our our culture is a lot bigger and more inclusive than their culture of restrictions and bans. I'll talk to you more when I get there. All right, guys, I'm down here at the rally. There's quite a good turnout. Probably it's about oh seven, eight minutes before the official meetup time of noon or when the thing starts. Uh, quite a few people out here. Majority of them are open carrying. I see a lot of people with AR-15s. Haven't seen anybody yet with an AK. Uh, a lot of people have signs. Uh, I haven't seen anybody here yet from opposition sign. 
the, um, like I said, probably the number of people out here right now is at least, I would say, maybe about 300. So how many are going to show up as far as uh, the day goes by, we shall see. All right, guys, it uh, is about 5 after 12 right now. Lots more people have shown up. Um, probably, oh, I don't know, I still see some people kind of straggling in. Uh, I don't know how many people will show up as the day goes by. As far as how many people are here now, probably, I'd say at least a couple more hundred people have come. There's probably about 500 people here so far. I'm bad at estimating numbers and crowds and stuff, but that's my best guess. Uh, like I said, lots of people with signs. Let's talk about the age ranges and the demographics of who's here. I'm seeing lots of different age groups, tons of younger people, a lot of people here out with their families, seeing lots of different, uh, not that it matters, but lots of different ethnic groups. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of people here who are open carrying. I'm sure there's tons of people here that are uh, carrying concealed of course, you know, the the opposition would say, oh, if you ever get that many people together who, who have all these radical ideas and all this other stuff that you're going to, uh, there's going to be trouble and there's going to be violence and that type of thing. And of course, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a very peaceable thing. So let's talk about police presence that's here today. I think there are, that I can see, maybe four troopers here, uh, which would be... Arizona Department of uh, or DPS, Department of Public Safety which is basically our highway patrol so I've only seen four um, the way that the Capitol building is set up there's the big lawn and then there's kind of the, the in between thing so it's divided sort of north and south so there's a couple of troopers over on the south side and a couple of troopers over on the north side but again everything everybody's just kind of milling around and talking and stuff like that it uh, looks like people are starting to move up forward, so some things maybe are going to get started here. Uh, one thing that is nice is that it does seem that there are, uh, again, more younger people here. So people under the age, well, and we'll just say people under the age of 50. A lot of times when I would go to these conferences and policy things, you would the majority of people would be over... Uh, let's just say kind of retirement age people. So it, it, it is really nice to be able to see there's somebody giving us some support. It, it uh, is nice to see a lot of younger people here. It's also nice to see a lot of people here uh, that have brought their children with them. So I'll go ahead and sign off for now, and then I'll get back with you here in a few minutes. Well, it looks like the uh, first of the news crews is showing up. Looks like Channel 5 is here. I haven't seen any others yet, and uh, but that may be just the first. And actually, it's 15 minutes after the event was scheduled, so we shall see. Remember, I had said earlier I hadn't seen any AKs yet, but I do see a couple, a uh, man and a woman who both have their, I think they're 47s and not 74s, but I could be mistaken on that.
stairs if you go All right, well, I think I have found a place that's relatively quiet. You'll still be able to hear probably a lot of the crowd noise and everything. I, I'm bad at estimating numbers, but I would probably say, uh, from kind of counting up a little representative sample and then multiplying that out, there's probably around 600 people here. Uh, of course, I'm sure the news or something will probably say there was about 100, but there's there's quite a few people here. And I know I've said it before, but it does bear repeating. There are quite a few young people here. There's a lot of young families. There's all sorts of different races. As the day has kind of gone on a little bit, I saw a lot of people with AR-15s, a lot of people with uh, AK-47s and AK-74s, tons and tons of people with uh, handguns and sidearms, saw lots of different things. Uh, mostly it's, of course, the semi-autos, lots of Glocks, lots of uh, M&Ps, a uh, few XDs. Also, so believe it or not, saw quite a lot of revolvers, a lot of the old cowboy action stuff, so stuff that you would see uh, in SAS and things like that, quite a bit of those. And looking at the, the, the people that are here, again, looking at things like the demographics, there are just tons and tons of, of people from all walks of life there are people that are older, people that are younger, lots of people here with their kids. There's, there's just as many men as there are women and just as many women that are carrying, uh, probably as men. I've seen a lot of women open carrying, so that's always a good thing. Again, what this does represent, it represents people that are willing to come out. So that means even people that maybe would want to have come out but didn't, you can say for every person here there's probably five or six that would have liked to have come out there's maybe another 10 or so that are willing to contact senators contact their representatives there's some bills that are that are being sponsored some that are against this things that are looking to restrict uh, ar-15s and uh, ak-47s things that are looking to restrict magazines capacities things like that however there are also bills that are being sponsored and put up that are saying that if there is any federal intervention, so any type of federal confiscation, that they will be unenforceable here in Arizona. There is also a bill that says that if any federal law enforcement officer or any state or government officer comes in and tries to enforce anything that is a type of confiscation or prosecute a person for not turning something in or for having a certain item, that that person who's trying to prosecute the individual would be guilty of, I believe, a misdemeanor. Uh, and this also includes any uh, people from the police up to the judges, prosecutor's office, things like that. At the end of that last audio clip, you heard me mention a bill. I wasn't sure which one. I don't know if this was the exact bill that was mentioned that I was talking about or that I'd kind of heard bandied about there. Currently, there is a Senate bill. 11121112 and I'll put a link to this stuff uh, in in the show notes. And what it's doing is it's basically trying to give the citizens protection of the citizens of Arizona. So if you're a citizen of the state of Arizona, these laws will apply to protect you against federal overreach. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. What it seeks to do is it it lays out stuff about Arizona firearms 
prohibited enforcement of federal laws, representation by the attorney general, classification, and then it also gives a a definition, excuse me. So A, a public servant or a federally licensed dealer who sells firearms in this state shall not enforce or attempt to enforce any act, law, statute, rule, or regulation of the United States government relating to a personal firearm, a firearm accessory, or ammunition that is owned or manufactured commercially or privately in this state and that remains exclusively within the borders of this state. Subsection B, an official, agent, or employee of the United States government shall not enforce or attempt to enforce any act, order, law, statute, rule, or regulation of the United States government relating to a personal firearm, a firearm accessory, or ammunition that is owned or manufactured commercially or privately in this state, and that remains exclusively within the borders of this state. Subsection C. The Attorney General may defend a citizen of this state who is prosecuted by the United States government for violation of a federal law relating to the manufacture, sale, transfer, or possession of a firearm, a firearm accessory, or ammunition that is owned Subsection C. The Attorney General may defend a citizen of this state who is prosecuted by the United States government for violation of a federal law relating to the manufacture, sale, transfer, or possession of a firearm, a firearm accessory, or ammunition that is owned or manufactured and that is retained exclusively within the borders of this state. Subsection D. Any federal law, rule, regulation, or order that is effective on or after January 1st, 2013 is unenforceable within the borders of this state if the law, rule, regulation, or order attempts to do any of the following. This is still under subsection D, section 1. Ban or restrict ownership of a semi-automatic firearm or magazine of a firearm. Two, require any firearm, magazine, or other firearm accessory to be registered in any manner. Then we go on to subsection E. A person who violates subsection B of this section is guilty of a class 6 felony. Subsection F. For the purposes of this section, public servant means any officer or employee of this state or any political subdivision of this state, including legislators and judges, and any person who participates as a juror, witness, advisor, consultant, or otherwise in performing a government function. So that, in a nutshell, is Senate Bill 1112. Currently in Arizona, there's approximately 600 forms of legislation that are going to be presented. Of those, many, many of those will never see the light of day. They'll never make it to committee. They won't get co-sponsors, things like that. There, there will be, and there already are, quite a few anti-gun things that are coming up. I don't think that those are going to make it. Now, in Arizona, well, before I talk about that, let's let's sort of talk a little bit about what Senate Bill 1112 or bills that are going to be similar to that is seeking to do. As you heard in the body of the bill, it's primarily only dealing with Arizona and Arizona citizens. So if you were coming in from out of state and you had a concealed carry permit, it's not going. These things I don't think would apply to you if there was some federal legislation 
and they decided to prosecute you. Let's say you were involved in a self-defense shooting. You were using a Glock 17 with a 17-round magazine, but on the federal level, they're saying you can't have anything over 10 rounds. And they had decided to make an example of you. From my understanding of this bill, since you would not be an Arizona citizen, you you wouldn't be afforded the protection and you wouldn't be afforded the resources of the state to help come to your defense. So getting back to sort of the process and what's going to happen over the next few months, we're going to see a lot of stuff kind of come and go. Hopefully something like this uh, eleven twelve will do and we'll get through without too many, again, without too many uh, revisions or amendments added on to it. I think something like this, it's rel- for a bill, it's relatively short and sweet, and it lays it out pretty good. Now, luckily for us in Arizona right now, and whether you're a Democrat or Republican, I don't care, the way that the political situation here is in Arizona is generally speaking, almost all the Republican people are going to be pro-gun and know which side their bread is buttered on. Pretty much the Democratic people here are area, they come from areas where there's strong Democratic footholds, and so they don't really have to do too much. There are a few, but for the most part, they don't really have to, they don't have, uh, what am I trying to say here? They don't feel that they need to take people that are gun owners into consideration when they're offering up legislation. And that's what we're seeing. If you look at all the anti-gun stuff, it's all coming from the Democratic side. And if you look at all the pro-gun stuff, it's all coming from the Republican side. There may be some people, some, some Democrats that cross over, especially as it seems that more and more people... Uh, not only in Arizona, but just just across the nation, are saying, no, we're not going to take these bans and and these regulations that you're proposing. We're not going to stand for it. It's a good idea if you don't have something like the Arizona Citizens Defense League in your state. Go over to the Facebook page if you're on Facebook. Like them. Go over. Follow them on Twitter. Sign up for their alerts. It's often a good idea. You can get really good ideas. Let's say that... uh, Maybe you really like how a certain bill was was worded here in Arizona and you think it would apply to your state. Go over to the Arizona uh, legislative uh, website, click on, on the bills that you like, kind of copy and paste them, you know, highlight them, paste them, and then you can send them to your representatives and say, hey, I want something like this in my state. And this this really sums up what we want to do. Now, there may be a thing where later on uh, the, the the state government of Arizona and the state government of Texas may decide, hey, if if your citizen comes into our state, we'll protect them as well. And if if a Texas guy comes into your state and something happens, you know, you'll protect him as you know, we'll we'll work in we'll work together to help protect our citizens from overreach by the federal government. So I don't know if anything like that is is there. I don't know if at the a lot of this stuff is and a lot of legislation that we're seeing again like in Texas like in Wyoming is sort of preemptive strikes so that if even if nothing happens now if we can get this stuff into law now for us it protects us in the future. 
Also, as more and more states do things like this, when the people up at the federal level try and push this stuff, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, well, we, we shouldn't even bother with this because there's so many states that are just going to ignore anything that we send down because they're saying it's unconstitutional and therefore it's not a valid law that it, it does us no good to, to go ahead and, and try and push force this other legislation, this restrictive stuff. All right, earlier I had said we'd talk about the rally and kind of my impressions of what was going on there. For something that was thrown together last minute, I thought it was a resounding success. I think in talking to the a couple of the police officers that were there, they were they were estimating at least about a thousand people there that attended. And there may have been an extra two hundred because people were coming and going. But I would say probably overall and I'm again I'm bad at estimating this stuff, but probably within a thousand to two to twelve hundred uh people probably attended. What I would have liked to have seen done is and this is a little nitpicky i know it was just kind of thrown together but i would have liked to have seen some audio equipment there maybe a podium where somebody could have got up on a raised platform so that you could hear them a lot of the people that spoke you couldn't really hear what they were saying because they were down on the same level and so and the people were all gathered around basically in a big circle so once you sort of got five or six people out it was very hard to hear what people were saying other than that, it was a success. All right, guys, I'm going to try and wrap the show up here pretty soon. It's actually Thursday, the 24th of January now. I kind of had a repeat of last week. Usually I can bang a show out in the day, but unfortunately for me this time, it uh, it has been a lot of things have been coming up here and there. Anyway, I, I don't remember a lot of the stuff that I was saying before, so if I repeat something, bear with me. Remember to contact your people. Contact your guys uh, up in Washington. Contact your local guys. I actually went and did the uh, the Ruger thing where it, it's real easy to go over there. I know probably some of the other firearms companies are going to maybe do that as well. Also, today is the day that Feinstein, I, when I was at the gym this morning, I saw uh, her doing a press conference and will you talk about what a dog and pony show it, it's just it's ridiculous uh and it it smacks of the desperation that they must feel knowing that the majority of americans are against them as rather than for them so a lot of times these press conferences are to maybe put on a show for their fellow representatives and uh, so their fellow con- congressmen and senators now, uh, talking about contacting people, I've been contacting McCain. I, I follow him on Twitter. I follow Flake on Twitter. I follow uh, Matt Salmon on Twitter. I'll, I'll tweet them three or four times a week. And they're, they're short and sweet, basically just saying, you know, don't scapegoat us. Don't support any new restrictive firearms legislation. You know, stand strong, blah, blah, blah. And I always make sure in there to, to to put in a thing that I'm from Arizona. And with my uh, with my congressman, I actually put what district I'm in. I'll do a little hashtag on the Twitter stuff. But you can also follow these guys on Facebook and send them send them messages, post on their wall, and do things like that. As far as the telephone contact that I've been doing, usually with my house rep, my uh, 
House representative, my congressman, I get a I get to talk to somebody in the office and I get to have a little bit of a conversation with him. I still keep him short and sweet. Uh, but with my my senators, and these are my federal guys, so uh, Flake and McCain, I usually have to leave a message. With McCain, I the voicemail was full. Hopefully that's a good sign. Hopefully he's getting hammered on this stuff and getting a lot of pro-gun and anti-new legislation messages. So if you live in Arizona, if you're listening to this and you live in Arizona, call them up, leave a message, email them, contact them on Twitter, contact them on Facebook, do what you need to do. Especially if you have a person that's anti-gun, they really need to, even if they're, even if you think that they're going to ignore you, if they get thousands and thousands of, of contacts saying, don't support this, it, it may have an effect on them. I wanted to talk real quickly about a response that I got back from Matt Salmon, who is, again, my federal representative. And I got a little bit of a, oh, I wouldn't say like a canned response or a a form letter. I did get a response since I contacted him on the gun issue. I got a response basically from him. Now, I don't know if this is like a prepared thing that he had, had done made. And so lots of people would get pretty much this same response, but at least I got one back on the subject that I contacted the man on. And, uh, so what I did today, as a matter of fact, is I called him up and I, I said, Hey, I wanted to thank you that I got a response from your office and I had contacted him on a gun issue. And I got a response back on that and uh, talked to a person in the office for a little bit. And I said, Oh, I also want to make sure that to let him know that we support his stance on no new gun, no new gun. Uh, I'm tumbling over my words now, but I actually was able to get it out when I spoke with the people in the office. I basically said we that I support his fight against any new gun legislation. There we go. So um, again, contact your people. It's very important to do that. We are going to be in for a long fight. And I think we're going to be in for pretty much about a four year fight. There's going to be peaks and valleys, but we're going to have to be in this one for the long haul. And the main thing too, we're going to have to do is we also have to fight at the federal level, but also at the state and local level. So you need to contact your mayor. You need to contact your, all your state reps and senators and let those people know we don't want any new stuff in our state. And if you, uh, let's say that if you live in another state, again, you can say, hey, we want laws that are more, much more similar to you know, either Arizona or Utah or, or such and such. And by doing that, what you can do is you can also give concrete examples of where less restriction is actually working. I had another couple other things I wanted to talk about, but I think the show, I think we're kind of, I kind of need to uh, wrap it up and just get the show posted and out there for you guys. Anyway, please feel free to contact me. If you went to your state rally, go ahead and contact me. Let me know how that went. Hopefully I got everybody's that sent stuff in, everybody's feedback that sent stuff in for the show. Hopefully I got all your stuff out there. Oh, one thing, I think that uh, I got a deal from SpeakPipe. 
which is the deal over on the website that says send voicemail. If you go over there and click on that, it lets you record up a message and send it to me. They're going to start charging for that. So eh, it was great while it was free, but there's not enough people that, that use it to justify. And I know it would only be $60 a year, but I would rather save that money and put it towards going to a class or buying ammo than giving it to, to something if, if not very many people use it. Most people tend to email or they'll call the Google, excuse me, the Google voicemail number, which is 206-745-2731, by the way, if you want to use that. That's still free. And uh, I'm going to start looking for some other programs out there that are that are free. But the speak pipe thing will probably go away in the next month or two. So if you want to use it, go ahead and use it while it's free. And again, I'd love to hear from you. All right, enough of my jibber-jabber, guys. I will talk to you next time. Take care. Here we go. One step at a time, don't be living on the line. I don't need a friend. I got more than on the mind. Sunshine in my brain, making everyone complain. Radio in the heart, don't be being so strange. Think I'm losing it, baby.